good morning, Calvary Church. So good to be back with you again. It's become a little bit of a habit here. I don't mind it, though. I don't mind it. Praise the Lord. So uh, this is so great to be here. Thank you, Eddie. So great to be here. And uh, we're going to finish off this series, or my part of this series. And um, I've never been asked to do this before either, Pastor Ben. So this is, this is a great thing we're doing here, which I believe it's God-ordained. And um, I say this every time I'm here, but I'll say it again, and I'll probably continue to say it, because it's the truth. Amen. But uh, Calvary Church is a great church. And if you're plugged in here, congratulations. You go to a great church, you're getting fed the truth, and you have great pastors who are loving you, serving you, and leading you into who you are in Christ every day, praise God. So give it up for Calvary and Pastors Ben and Kim. Amen. And all the team here. Man, if I was anywhere near this area, if I was within two-hour drive, this would be my home church. A church alive is worth the drive. Amen. So congratulations. Some of you are visiting. Welcome, maybe online as well. Welcome. Check it out. This is a great place. You're going to learn who you are in Christ. And I'm going to tell you what, this can change your life. Getting plugged into the Word of God and the truth of the gospel is going to change your life. Amen. So um, last time, I don't know if you remember, but it was like three weeks ago I was here. And uh, we looked at, you know, the whole core of this, this uh, message is 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, talking about how Jesus has already paid for us to be rich. In fact, in Him, we're already rich. Amen. That's the truth. Just like we're already healed, just like we're already righteous, just like we already have these, those things, in Jesus, you are already rich. And I know in church, you say that in church, and some people go, woo. Well, go back and watch some of the other videos. If this is the first part of the series you've watched, go back after this. Use the Calvary app. Go back and watch the other videos because they're really going to help you. In fact, the first session me and Pastor Ben did was answering some difficult questions. That's really going to help you too. So go back. That's what we're looking at today. We're looking at what it means to be rich and what it means to walk in, in that promise that God's made for us. Jesus paid the price for it. Now it's up to us if we want to walk in it or not. And last time I was here, uh, three weeks ago, we was actually um, looking at some faith responses to what grace has already provided. So Jesus done it, right? He became poverty on the cross. Just like he became sin and sickness and, and anxiety and all those terrible things on the cross, he became poverty. He became poor so that we won't have to. We won't have to experience poverty. We won't have to experience lack. And this will work anywhere in any part of the world. I've seen it work in Africa, Central America, Asia. Firsthand, I've seen this work. So the promise is good. The question is, are we going to believe it, church? Are we going to walk in it? Or are we going to let some of the distractions, maybe some of the bad teaching we've heard, maybe some of the abuses we've seen, are we going to let those things stop us walking in God's promises? God, I'm telling you, God wants us to be rich, walk in this richness because he wants to establish his covenant. He wants to show the world how much he loves us and how much he loves them. And when we walk in this, we can do more. We can, we can spread the gospel more. We can actually do more and get more teachings out, help more people, feed more hungry, house more homeless. There's something powerful about having riches, having abundance, that you can help more people. It's powerful. So what we did three weeks ago is we, we said, okay, God wants us rich. In fact, he's made us rich already. How are we going to walk that out? Grace has provided it. Jesus was grace personified. When Jesus came down, he was the provision of God. He was everything we need. He did his part. Now, our part is to receive it and say thank you. To receive it. It's very simple. It's not works. We're not striving. We're just saying, thank you, Lord. I want to receive that gift. And there's some things we do. That's our faith response, by the way. That's how we respond to grace is by faith and say, yes, I'll take that. Thank you, Lord. So our faith response to this promise that God's already made us rich, I said there's two things. And if you were paying attention three weeks ago, I, I gave you the first one. The first one was the diligent soul 
shall be made rich. That was Proverbs 13, verse 4. Proverbs 13, verse 4 says, The diligent soul shall be made rich. And I don't know, I said diligent, and no one ran the aisles. No one, no one, no, diligence isn't one of those things we put in our refrigerator, right? But it's important. We're not working to get something. We're just walking in what we already have. What we already have in Christ, we have to walk in. So being diligent, diligent in what we believe, we have to be diligent to know that this is God's will for us. Because if we don't think it's God's will for us, it's hard to accept that promise. It's hard to walk in faith where you don't know what God's will is in that area. If you're wishy-washy and think, well, maybe God wants me to be prosperous, maybe he doesn't, maybe he wants me healed, maybe he doesn't. You can't pray a prayer of faith like that. You can't receive from God like that. You have to understand it's God's will for you to prosper, 100%. In fact, in Jeremiah 29, verse 11, Jeremiah 29, verse 11, God reveals his plans for us. He says, I have plans for you, plans to prosper you. Look at that, plans to prosper you. He has plans to prosper you, praise God. The NIV, it says plans to prosper you, plans to give you a future, an expected end. That's God's plan for you. And he thinks about you. He thinks, what am I going to do with that one? I'm going to prosper them. I'm going to give them a long life. I'm going to give them a, a glorious life. I'm going, to, I'm going to have them walk in the blessings of the Lord. I'm going to have them walk just like my son walked on the earth. Jesus is our prototype, right? So we get to walk in those things. So this is God's will for us. So you have to be diligent in what you believe. You have to believe that it's God's will for you to be rich. The price is already paid. And then you have to be diligent to put your hand to something so you give God something to work with. Every time, New Testament, Old Testament, it doesn't matter where you look in the Bible, every time there was supernatural increase financially in the area of provision, there was something in the natural they did first out of obedience. Give me the loaves and the fish. Jesus looked up, blessed them, broke them. 5,000 men fed. Widow woman's oil. She took the small oil. She got the oil jars. She poured it out. Second Kings 4. There's so many instances. They needed tax money. It's tax season, right? They needed tax money. Peter went and cast in a hook, pulled out a fish, took the coin out. Every time there was supernatural increase in the Bible, there was something natural done in obedience. They put their hands to something. So we put our hands to something and give God something to work with so that he can increase what we put our hands to. And remember, we talked about it's not usually spectacular, but it's supernatural. And we have to do those little things faithfully and watch God multiply them. Amen? So that was the first faith response. The second faith response we're going to look at today, and that is Proverbs 11, verse 25. Proverbs 11, verse 25 puts it this way. It says, the generous soul will be made rich. The generous soul will be made rich. And he who waters will be watered himself. Now, I understand I'm from England. Sometimes we, I struggle and I'm in a restaurant. And I say, they say, what would you like to drink, sir? I say, I'll take a water. They say, I'm sorry, we've only got Coke products or coffee. Or, and I say, water. And they say, I'm sorry, sir. And I say, water. They can't. I'm trying to learn American. It's my English. So let me, let me he who waters, is that better? <laughs> shall be watered himself. I'm learning, praise the Lord. He who waters shall be watered himself. The generous soul will be made rich. Think about this, church. The generous soul will be made rich. In fact, back up one verse. Go to Proverbs 11:24. 24. Look at this truth. This is a fundamental truth right here. Proverbs 11:24 24 says, there's one who scatters. And that word scatters actually means to give liberally or to sow liberally. There's one who scatters, yet increases more. Yet there's one who withholds more than is right, and it leads to poverty. Think about this. This is, I mean, if you want more, our natural thinking would be withhold. If we, you know, especially in, in desperate times, like at the moment, things are, you know, the world's going crazy, we think, oh, we better withhold. We don't know, nothing's safe anymore. My job's not safe. My business, you know, is not safe. Nothing's safe. You may already be feeling that pain, that financial, that financial pull at the moment. You may already be feeling that. And our natural instincts, our, the world's way of thinking is withhold. Withhold. Tighten up, tighten up your belts. Withhold. 
That's the opposite to what the Word of God says. It's the opposite to the kingdom of God. And how many of you know most of the things, if not all the things in the kingdom of God, work opposite to our natural thinking? That's why we have to renew our minds, right, to the Word of God. That's why we have to renew the way we think because our old way of thinking won't work. It won't work with this new covenant thinking. It won't work with the kingdom of God. So we have to change our way of thinking. The issue is, is when you got born again, when you gave your life to Jesus, when you received the life of Christ, you changed address. You, spiritually speaking, you've got a new address now. Therefore, everything works differently in this new kingdom. Everything works differently in this new kingdom. And we already know this. If, think about it. If you want to be first, the word of God says be last. If you want to be the best leader, the greatest leader, the word of God says be the greatest servant. You have an enemy, what do you do? You love them. Someone wrongs you, you forgive them. It goes on. Someone steals your tunic. I don't even know what a tunic is, but if they steal it, give them your cloak as well. I mean, someone else, one mile, go two miles. It's the opposite way of our natural worldly thinking, but it's the truth, it's the word of God, and it's what works. If you, watch this, if you want extra money, if you're short of money, and you want extra money, the word of God says, give some away. So liberally. Scatter. That doesn't make sense to our natural mind, but it's the truth. That's why it takes faith to walk in this. It takes faith to walk in this. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, you won't be able to walk in these promises. You know why it's impossible to please God without faith? Because God loves you so much. He wants you to walk in his fullness. He wants you to walk in his provision. He wants you to walk in everything he has for you. And if you've got children or grandchildren, you know, if they're not walking in everything, you type of feel, oh man, I wish they'd understand who they are. I wish they'd, they'd walk in those things. And when we walk by faith and understand these promises and start walking in these promises, all of a sudden we can walk in the fullness of Christ. And that pleases God because he's like, that's the best life for them. That's, that's how I designed them to walk. That's why it's so important that we believe these promises. That's why it's so important that we believe as we scatter, we're going to increase more. So the generous soul will be increased, will be made rich. Amen? It's a powerful truth. So what we've got to understand is, if we're going to walk in this by faith, we have to understand something. God is the biggest giver. If we don't understand this, then we're going to think, well, if I give, if I give, if I, if I give and keep giving, then who's going to look after me? God. He's the biggest giver, and he won't be outgiven. He's the biggest giver. He won't be outgiven. In fact, you remember that old song we used to sing? I used to like it until I realized that what the word said is actually written by an Englishman, and it's called, Blessed Be the Name of the Lord. Do you remember that one? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be his name. Where's Pastor Ethan? I'm going I'm to try out for the worship band. What do you think? You're laughing a little too hard there. I'm getting nervous. God thinks it's a joyful tune. But blessed be the name of the Lord. Remember that song? Blessed be the name. But how did it go? He gives and takes away. Do you remember? He gives and takes away. That's a lie. God does not give and take away. That singing's really bad, I've just got to say. I mean, we'll have to edit that out, the live stream, because that that's bad. Anyway, he doesn't give and take away, church. He just gives, and he gives, and he gives, and he gives, and he doesn't take anything good away from us, praise God. That's the truth. I'm telling you what, we have such a good God. He doesn't take, he gives, praise God. He gives, gives, gives. That's what he does. He doesn't take good things away from us. He keeps giving. His very nature is giving. Some of you are disappointed because you like that song. Look, if you're going to sing that song, I've sung it. Some churches I've visited, they sing that song. You can just sing it like this. When it says he gives, and he takes away, just say, he takes away my sin, he takes away my shame, he takes away my guilt, he takes away my pain, he takes away my sickness, he takes away my poverty, he takes away my lack, he takes away my anxiety. Come on, church. He takes those things away. He took those things away at the cross. But he doesn't take good things from us. 
He's not a God that gives us something and takes away. No, no, he gives and he gives and he gives. His very nature is generosity. You know, we understand God is love, right? When, when we say God is love, First John says God is love. We don't mean God has love as part of his character. No, we're talking about God is love. That means he can't do anything outside of love. Like he is love. That's everything he does is loving. God is good. You know that, right? So God is good. That means everything God does is good. It's always good. Well, God's also generous. It's his very nature. In fact, it's part of being love. He's being the goodness and the generosity. He's generous. Psalm 51 says, he upholds me with his generous spirit. God is generous. He, He invented generosity. He's generous. That's it. So he can't take. He only gives. So what are we worried about? When we give to the Lord, when we give to the gospel, when we give to the kingdom of God, we don't have to worry. It's the opposite. When we give, we can say, I'm safe now. I've got investments in the kingdom of God. Safest investment I'll ever make. A man, you know, they say a man is wise who gives away what he cannot keep. How many of you know you're not going to keep anything in this world materially? You're not going to be able to keep any money. You're not going to be able to keep anything. A man is wise who gives away what he cannot keep in order to gain something he can never lose. Think about that. We have the opportunity to sow and store up treasure in heaven. Jesus puts it that way. You can store up treasure. You can actually give on this life and it gets transformed from, from just material things into true riches. People, when you give into the gospel, when you give into Calvary, when you give into ministries and missionaries, and things, you're actually giving into people's lives. Like you do realize, those of you who give to Calvary, you do realize it's not just about the money. Like when you give in Calvary, what's actually happening is, is your money's turned into true riches. People's lives are being changed daily through Calvary. People's lives are being turned from, from a destiny to, it, without the Lord to a destiny in heaven. People's lives are changing. Marriages are restored. Relationships are restored. Addictions are broken. People are set free for the first time in their life. And that's what's happening when money comes into Calvary. It gets used for the gospel. So your, your offerings, you get to heaven. I'm, I'm looking forward to heaven. You get to heaven, people will be knocking on our doors. Thank you for giving. I heard the gospel through that YouTube video, through Calvary app, through the church service on a Sunday morning. Thank you for showing me the truth. I'm, I got to hear the gospel. So it's not about the money. It's about giving and seeing the gospel extends. It's about trusting God with our finances. And God is the biggest giver. He won't be outgiven. We don't have to worry about that. See, his plan for us is to increase us. His plan for us is to increase. Like I've read you, Jeremiah 29, 11. His plan for us is to increase us. He wants to increase us. He wants to, he wants to see us expand. He wants to see us increase in his promises. That's his will for your life. He's not here to take. He's here to increase. You know, I went to um, coffee the other day, a few months ago, uh, an international speaker. If I told you his name, you'd know who it was, but I don't want to you know, tarnish his reputation lest lest you try something like this. But anyway, he was, he's a, a well-known speaker, international speaker and everything else. And I, I like his ministry. I received from his ministry. So he was in Colorado. And I said to him, if ever you're in Colorado, please let me know. I'd love to buy you coffee or buy you lunch. So he texted me and said, actually, I'm going to be in Colorado. And he was two hours away from me. So I said, I'll drive to you. He said, I'll meet you halfway. So we met halfway in this coffee shop. First time I'd ever met with him one-on-one. So I was a little bit, you know, in awe. This is a well-known speaker. I've learned a lot from his ministry. He's a powerful minister of God. So on the way there in my truck, I'm praying. I'm thinking, I've received so much from this guy. Like I've received from his podcasts and his books and all that. I've received spiritual truths from him. How many of you know it's, it's, a, it's a, the right thing to do is when you receive something spiritually is to sow materially. Like if I receive something spiritually, I often sow a, a, a gift. That's just, you know, 1 
Corinthians chapter 9, the Apostle Paul talks about that. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11 says, if you receive something spiritual, it's only right that you sow materially. So I thought, I'm going to sow, I'm going to give him a gift. I'm going to give this guy a gift. I want to honor him. I want to thank him for receiving from him. So I'm going to sow, I'm going to give him a gift. So I'm there in my truck and I'm at the stoplight and I pull my checkbook out and I think, well, I'm going to give $500. I'm going to give him a good, I'm going to, I'm going to give him a good gift personally. I'm going to $500. So I started to write the check out and I thought, no, I'm going to go all in. I'm going to, I'm going to give him $1,000. I'm giving this man $1,000. I really like his ministry. He's been a blessing to me. I'll give him a $1,000 check. Fold the check up, put it in my pocket. I get to the coffee house. He's there in line. So we greet. And I say, so I have an offering for you. And I give him my check. It's folded up in half. I give him my check. And he takes my check and he just puts it in his pocket. And then he says, well, I've got an offering for you, actually. I said, well, I wasn't expecting that. He said, I've got an offering for you. Now, I was a little nervous. I'd never met him before one-on-one like this. I was a little nervous, you know. You often say dumb things when you're nervous, anyone? <laughs> so I said, <laughs> so I said, I said, well, I didn't know what to say. So I said, I said, sir, I said, I wonder whose offering's bigger. I thought, that was a dumb, why did I say that? I mean, come on, I'm going to wind back time. It's like Peter in the Mount of Transfiguration, right? It said, Peter, not knowing what to say, said, let's build some tents, okay? Actually, not knowing what to say, said, I wonder whose offering's bigger. He just looked at me dead straight in the face, no smile, nothing. He just said, mine's bigger than yours. And I was like, how do you know? He, he hasn't even looked at my offering. He just put it straight in his pocket. How do you know that? So he walked over the table, pulled out his check, opened the check up, looked at my check. He went, hmm, put my check down, pulled out his checkbook, got a pen, wrote a check for me for $4,000, Woo, praise the Lord. I was excited. You'd be excited too. Come on. So he gave me a check for $4,000. Well, this is awesome. He said, Ashley, he said, God spoke to me on the way to this meeting. And he said to me, whatever you give me as an offering, if you give me anything, whatever you give me as an offering, I'm to multiply it to you four times. Whatever you give me, I'm to multiply it back to you four times. I was like, praise the Lord. My first thought was, well, praise God, I wrote 1,000, not 500. I mean, I've just... I've just made extra $2,000. Can I get a witness? I mean, I was like, thank you, Jesus. I was like, thank you, Lord. Then he looked at me real serious. He said, he said let me ask you this, Ashley. He said, if you'd known before we met that I was going to multiply everything you gave to me four times over, if you knew I was going to multiply whatever you gave to me, would it have changed how you gave to me today? I said, sir. I'm saying, yeah. I said, sir. <laughs> Biggest statement I've had. I said, yeah. I said, sir. I said, I have to be honest. He said, how would it have changed? I said, man, I would have got all the money I could have out of the bank. I would have emptied the savings account. I would have got the kids' piggy banks, smashed them. I, mean, I would have got everything I could have got to give you the biggest offering I could if you was going to multiply it back to me. He said, we've got a problem then. He said, you don't really believe the word of God. He said, because God never takes. He only multiplies everything you give to God. He will multiply it back to you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I was like, man, I was like, that's a life lesson. He said, it might not be instant. This might not work instantly. Sometimes it does, but God never takes. Whatever you give into the kingdom, he's going to multiply it back to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10 says, he gives seed to the sower, watch this, and bread to eat, and he multiplies the seed that we sow. He multiplies the seed that we sow. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10, he multiplies the seed that we sow. And here's the neat thing. Listen to the, first, the, the beginning of that verse. He gives seed to the sower. He even gives us the seed to sow. This is like a too good to be true deal right here. So he gives us the seed that we need to sow in order to increase us so we'll have more than enough. Isn't that powerful? He gives us the seed to sow. You might say, actually, I don't have any seed to sow. I guarantee you do. I guarantee you the minute you say, I want to give, God's going to give you seed to sow. 
God will give seed to the sower. That's a, that's a truth. Uh, he's going to give seed to the sower. What happens is, if we're short of finances, if we're short of money, if we're not seeing this prosperity worked out in our natural lives, what's happening is, is we're often not sowing that seed. We're eating the seed instead of sowing it. You know, a few weeks ago, we talked about the feeding of the 5,000. They had those loaves and fish. And what did they do? They gave them to Jesus. Jesus gave thanks for them. He looked into the spirit realm. He looked, into, he looked up. He said he looked into the spirit. He looked into the, into the potential. And he, started, and he gave thanks for them. And he, and he broke them. And they started handing those loaves and fish out. And what happened? They multiplied, multiplied, fed 5,000 men. Besides women and children, probably 20,000 people. They all ate and had more than enough because they had baskets, 12 baskets of leftovers. But what would have happened if the disciples had taken those loaves and fish? They were hungry too. They were 12 hungry men, 13 hungry men with Jesus. They could have taken those loaves and fish and said, you know what? This need over here is too big. But we have a little bit here. We can just eat this right now. We could have a little snack. The, the, the 13 of them could have had a little snack and they never would have seen the increase of the Lord. They never would have seen that supernatural increase because they, hadn't have, they didn't sow that seed. So imagine this. Look, we've got apples. Someone's probably wondering, why have they got a bowl of apples up here in case they get hungry? Halfway through. But this is, here's an apple, right? Inside this apple, what is inside this apple? Seeds, right? Seeds are inside this apple. I could eat this whole apple, including the seeds, and that would be the end of it. But here's what I could do. As I receive this apple, I could take a portion of this apple. I could take a part of this apple out, and I could sow it in the ground. And what would happen? Eventually, an apple tree would grow, right? And then what would that apple tree grow? Apples. And then every single one of those apples, what would they have inside every single apple? Seeds. So then every single apple, if you like, is a meal to eat, but then a seed to sow. He gives seed to the sower and bread to eat. So every single one of those apples you could eat, but the first thing you have to do before you eat it is take the seed out and sow the seed. And that will grow more apple trees and more apples and more apple trees. Are you seeing this? Exponential growth. This is how we get limitless growth. This is what the Bible calls 30, 60, and 100 fold. It's a folding. It's, it's a limitless resource if we take that part and sow it. You know, if we, we could cut this apple open and we could count how many seeds are in here. You know, I don't know how many seeds would be in here. Maybe, you know, whatever, 6, 10, 12, I don't know. I should have Googled it. I don't know. But then how many seeds? There is multiple seeds inside this apple. You can count how many apples, how many seeds inside an apple. You can count how many seeds are inside this apple. You just cut it open. But here's what you can't count. You can't count how many apples are in one single seed. Think about that. If that seed keeps getting sown, and then sown, and then sown, God gives seed to the sower and bread to eat. We're meant to sow the seed. Every time we eat the seed, we're short-circuiting it. We're not working in this promise. This promise can't work. And then we say, God, why haven't you provided for me? I'm here. Why haven't you provided for me? It's because of eating the seed instead of sowing it. We have to sow the seed instead of eating. Who wants an apple? I'm just joking. <laughs> People got nervous then. So you have to sow the seed first, and then you eat. Here's what the Bible calls this. The Bible calls this giving a first fruit, putting God first place. You know, powerful time during worship about magnifying the Lord and about putting the Lord first place. You know, you, God's always first. Jesus is first. I mean, there's no getting away from that. He's the, he's, but in your life, is he first? Just like Jesus is Lord, but in your life is he Lord. That's where it's going to make the difference. You confessing Jesus your Lord, say, Jesus, I make you my Lord, doesn't change his lordship. He's Lord, right? One day, every single tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord. But when you say, Jesus, you're my Lord, it changes your life because now he's the Lord of your life. And when we say, no, Lord, that's an oxymoron. 
There's no Lord. There's no no if he's your Lord. If he's your Lord, it's like, yes, sir. And the good thing is, he's only got good for us. So anytime the Lord asks us to do something, it's all for our good anyway. So when the Lord asks us to give, it's not because he's trying to take from us. He's trying to get seed in the ground so it can multiply and he can provide for us. The Bible calls it a first fruit. When income comes in, we give the first off the top. Look at this in, in um, Proverbs, Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Honour the Lord with your possessions. We can honour the Lord with our possessions. Honour the Lord with our possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. That word first fruits there means first off the top. The first income, the first that comes to you. That's how we honour the Lord. The first that comes to you. Look at the, look at the result of this. This is, God loves us so much. Look at this. Verse 10. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. God's trying to get us to do this because he wants to increase us. He wants permission. When we give and trust God with our first fruits, when we say, God, here's, my income's coming, I'm going to give you the first off the top. I'm going to give you a portion of my income to you first. You're putting God as the Lord over your finances. You're saying, Jesus, you're the Lord of my finances. You're saying, Lord, I trust you with my finances. Yeah, I, I don't know what's going on in the world at the moment. I don't know if my job's secure. I don't know if my business is secure. But I know one thing. You're my provider, and I'm going to trust you. I'm going to put action to my faith by trusting you, by saying, whatever comes in, I'm going to give the first off the top to you. I'm going to give you a portion. I'm going to give you the seed portion so that that can be multiplied and while I'll eat the rest. That's how it works. That's how prosperity works. That's how increase works in the kingdom of God. It takes faith to do it, but that's how it, how it works. Romans eleven sixteen says that if the first fruit is holy, the lump is holy. Everything else, when you, the first part of it that comes in, if you give it to God, it makes the rest of it under God's control. You say, God, this is yours. It's all God's anyway. He gives us the seed to sow. He gives us the first portion anyway. But when you do that, you're giving God permission to bless you with everything else, praise God. This is, um, look at this. This is the first uh, story of giving, the first time we ever see giving in the Bible, the first time we see someone giving an offering to God in the Bible. This is Genesis 4. So Genesis 4 is a law of first mention, right? When something's first mentioned in the Bible, it's important. We can learn a lot from it. Genesis 4, let's just jump right in here, verse 2. It says, Then Eve bore again, so he's her second son, this time his brother Abel. So you know, Cain, then Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. It doesn't matter what we do day to day. It doesn't matter how we get increase. It doesn't matter how we get income. For some of you, it might be a job. For some of you, it might be a business. For some of you, it might be retirement. For some of you, it might be welfare. For some of you, it might be stimulus checks. However you get money come to you, however that money comes to you, it doesn't matter. That's not the point. The point is, what do you do with that when it comes to you? How do you honor God with your possessions? How do you honor God with your first fruits? So watch what happens here. This is Genesis 4, verse 3. Ready for this? In the process of time, this is Genesis 4, verse 3, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Verse 4, Abel also brought the firstborn, that word firstborn, same as first fruit, of his flock and their fat. The Lord respected or was pleased with Abel's offering, but the Lord rejected and did not respect Cain's offering. Now, what was the difference? People say, well, it's because Cain, you know, Abel had, uh, you know, uh, blood and, and, and Abel had a, a blood sacrifice. No, that wasn't here. That's not, that's not the point of this. You can pull that out if you want, but that, I don't get that. that to me because, you know what, the Lord gives seed to the sower. He's not going to, Abel couldn't have given, uh, Cain couldn't have given a blood sacrifice. He only, had, he only had vegetables to work with. So that's not the truth. What happens here is, is this statement right here, verse 3, in the process of time, you read this, study this out. It says, at the end of the days, so Cain 
was tilling the ground, was a farmer, whatever, you know, vegetables, whatever, crops, whatever he was doing, he waited until the end to give God an offering. It'd be the equivalent of me and you saying, okay, money's coming to me, however much comes in a month, $1,000 comes in, $100 to the car insurance, $100 to the car payment, you know, $500 for the mortgage, and you start doing that, and you pay everyone, and pay everything, and pay all the bills, and, and everything else, and do all your stuff, and then at the end, have I got any money left over for the Lord? Yeah, I've got a bit of offering right here for the Lord. That's not a first fruit. That's not putting God first place. That's not trusting God. Listen, I'm not talking law. I'm talking about trusting God in something he's already done for you. This isn't earning anything. You can't earn it. It's already done. We're trusting God in what he's already done for us and releasing that blessing in our life by saying, Lord, I trust you so much. I believe your promises so much. I'm going to take the first part of this and give it to you. That's what a first fruit is. We take the first part and give it to him. That's why Abel's offering was a first fruit offering. He bought the firstborn. He, his sheep, if you like, had a, had a lamb, and he gave that first lamb to the Lord. He didn't know if his sheep was going to have any more lambs or not. He didn't wait for his sheep to have 10 lambs and then go, okay, I can take this one. It's safe now. I can take this one to the Lord because I've got nine more to fall back on. That's not what he did. He gave it off the top. He gave the first fruit. He gave the first, and that's where the Lord wants us to be. He wants us to trust in him to the point where we say, God, I'm going to give you first place. In, in the natural, it might not look like I'm going to make it, but I'm here to declare to you, church, I've lived this, and I know many of you have lived this. You can do, God can do more with the 90% than you could. So when you give that first 10% to him, the other 90% is so blessed, it's going to increase. You're going to see supernatural things happen. It's a, it's a covenant, praise God. It's a powerful thing. And Mike would say, Ashley, you're talking about tithing, yeah. The first 10%. God tells us how much to give. It's a great deal. This is like 101 basic foundation training wheels Christianity with finances right here. God set it up in a way that he said, you know what? It doesn't matter how much you make or don't make. It doesn't matter if you, if you till the ground or keep sheep. It doesn't matter if, you, if you're a mechanic, a doctor. It doesn't matter if you've got your own business and make a million dollars. It doesn't matter if you're on minimum wage. It doesn't matter if you're on retirement or on, on welfare. It doesn't matter how you get money. I'm going to set it up in such a way that every single person can trust me with their finances. That's how God set it up. He set up the most fair system you'll ever see. It's easier to give a first fruit. It's easier to give the tithe to God than it is to tip in a restaurant. Tipping a restaurant is 18%. Hang on a minute. Well, I'll just do 20. It's easier. But it's still complicated. You know what I'm saying? 10% is so easy. Just move the decimal. I mean, he set it up so easy. This is the fundamental. This is like the first level of Christianity. You might say, when it comes to finances, you might say, actually, you're talking the law, though. The tithe was the law, right? Malachi 3. Or Malachi. Depends where you're from. Malachi 3. That's the law. Yeah, it was a part of the law. It became part of the law. But get this. Even under the law, God's motivation was to get you more. Did you notice that? It's amazing. We say, it's the law. We talk about if you don't tithe, you're cursed. Well, let me tell you, there's no curse now. Galatians 3.13, Jesus redeemed you from the curse of the law. Come on, there is no curse. So there's no curse with this, but the blessings are still there. And God's motivation in Malachi 3, if you read it, it says, I'm going to pour out, I'm going to open up the windows of heaven, pour out such a blessing on you that you won't be able to contain it. So even when it was under the law, which we're not under the law, but even when it was under the law, God's motivation was still to get you more and to increase you to the point where you couldn't contain it. That was his very motivation of tithing. But guess what? Tithing didn't start under the law. People think, well, tithing's the law. Do you know 430-something years before the law, before Moses went up the mountain, before the law was given, 430-something years before that, tithing was in the Bible. Twice. Don't believe me? Genesis 14, right here. Look at this. Again, the law of first mention. This is the first time we see tithing. This is the first time we see someone giving a portion of their income to God. Genesis 14. This is a, um, we're going to learn a lot from this. This is Genesis 14. And this is Abraham or Abraham at the time. And he's, he's just won a battle. 
He got Lot back and stuff. He comes back with the spoil. And what happens is, is Melchizedek comes out to join him. This is in Genesis 14. Melchizedek comes out to join him. Now in Genesis 14, we're going to start at verse 18 here. Melchizedek was the king of Salem. That word Salem actually means peace and prosperity. It means provision. It means welfare. It means Salem. It's where they get the word Jerusalem from. The king of Salem came out to meet Abraham. So let's pick this up in Genesis 14, verse 18. Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Again, this is a picture of Jesus. Melchizedek was a pre-incarnate Jesus. Okay, the, the, the author of Hebrews explains this in a little bit. He was actually Jesus pre-incarnate because he comes out, he's got bread and wine, and then he says he was the priest of God most high. This is Jesus. This is Jesus showing up in Genesis 14 to establish the tithe. Have people abused this and said, this, you've got to tithe, you're going to, you're going to rob God and all that. It's, have churches taught this like it's a law thing? You've got to, of course they have. That's all we've heard most of the time. I'm here to tell you Jesus started the tithe offering right here. Genesis 14. Do you know why? Because he loves you so much. He wants to bless you in this area. So he set it up right here. Genesis 14, verse 19. Guess what he did? Guess what Melchizedek did? Pre-incarnate Jesus. Guess what he did? He blessed him. The first thing Melchizedek did when he saw Abraham was bless him. I said this a few weeks ago. There's only two types of Christians. Those who are blessed and believe it, and those who are blessed and don't believe it. When you receive the life of Christ, you automatically became blessed. The question is, are you going to believe it and walk in it? It's up to you. It's your choice. So he blessed him. The first thing he did, Genesis 14, verse 19, he blessed him. And then he said, goes this, Blessed be Abraham, or Abraham, the God of the Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. Verse 20, And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he, ready for this? Abraham, Abraham, gave Melchizedek a tithe of all. Abraham gave Melchizedek 10% of everything he had. God set this up. He gave him 10% of everything he had. This is 400 and something years before the law. Later on, we find out Abraham's grandson, Jacob, did the same thing in Genesis 28, the end of the chapter. He said, God, you've been so good to me. He had a meeting with God. And again, probably a pre-incarnate Jesus met with Jacob in Genesis 28. Read it for yourself. And he said, God, you've been so good to me. I'm going to give you 10% of everything. I'm going to give you a tenth of everything that comes into me. Everything that comes to me is yours anyway. I'm going to give you 10%. Two times, even before the law. Then it became part of the law, and there was a punishment. Now we're not under the law, praise God. But the blessing and the principles are still there. There's still an anointing. There's still something special about this. We have to understand, church. If we don't understand, this is the, this is the, the entry level to receiving God's way when it comes to finances. The tithe, giving 10%. It's trusting God. And people say, well, actually, I'm, I don't believe in that anymore. Well, I, don't, I personally do not know one prosperous Christian I'm just telling the truth. I know a lot of prosperous, I know a lot of multi, multi ministries, churches that are off the chain. I don't know one person who's prosperous who doesn't tithe consistently, all the time, not under obligation because they want to, because it's what they get to do, because they know the power of it. They know that it's important. They know that it honors God. They know that they want to honor God with their first fruit so that He can increase them. They want to honor God. It's part of worship. It's part of honoring God. It's powerful. Look what, look what the um, author of Hebrews says real quickly here in Hebrews 6. So in Hebrews 6, verse 20, we're going to break in here. He's talking about Melchizedek, right? So they're, they're, the author of Hebrews is explaining what happened here. because It's such a big deal. This is New Testament, New Covenant, Hebrews 6, verse 20, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, 
having become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Jesus is our high priest, praise God. Now it goes straight into, into chapter 7 here. There was no chapter separations. It goes straight into chapter 7 from Melchizedek, straight into chapter 7. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, he was the prince, he was the priest of the Most High God who met with Abraham, returning from the slaughter of the kings, blessed him. See, again, it says they blessed him. First thing was blessed him. To whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, being first translated king of righteousness. Melchizedek was translated king of righteousness and then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace. Ready for this? Verse 3, Hebrews 7, verse 3. Without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually today. Do you think he's talking about Jesus? This is talking about Jesus right here. Ready for this? Drop down to verse 8 for time. Hebrews 7, verse 8. Here mortal men receives tithes, but there in heaven Jesus receives them, of whom witness that he lives. This is an eternal truth. We're still doing it. Do you know when you get to heaven, you're still going to give? Because that's you're crazy. No, no. You're going to get a golden crown, and every time you turn around and see Jesus, you're going to throw your, cast your crowns at the throne and give. And then we're going to get ourselves together, put our crowns, and then just give again. And we're going to give again. And we're going to give again. This is eternal truth right here. God wants us to honor him with our finances, with our, with our substance, with our possessions. Jacob tithed, we know that. Jesus commended tithing. Right here, he says in Matthew 23, 23, he says, you should tithe. He's talking to the Pharisees. He says, you should tithe, yes, but don't neglect the more important things. So he was, you know, they got so into tithing, they forgot about loving people and about, about grace and about God's love, and they got so into tithing. We never want to make this a legalistic thing. We never want to get so legalistic about it. Jesus said, here, you should have tithed, yes. The Apostle Paul commends tithing. I love this in 1 Corinthians. Look at this, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2. He puts it this way. He says, every Sunday, this is in the Passion Paraphrase, every Sunday, each one of you make a generous offering by taking a portion of whatever God has blessed you with that week. Isn't that powerful? You take a portion of whatever God's given you and bring it as an offering. The first off the top. You bring the first fruit to God. You bring the tithe to God. And you know Malachi 3, it says, bring it into the storehouse so there might be meat for me to eat, meat to eat in the storehouse. If you study that out, what that's talking about is meat. It's talking about fresh revelation of the Word of God. We bring the tithe to where we're fed, and then when we bring the tithe to where we're fed, then we're able to get more fresh revelation of the Word of God. So I tithe to my local church. I tithe to where I'm plugged in. You heard from my pastor today, Pastor Lawson. I tithe there, and you couldn't stop me tithing. I don't care what the economy's doing. I don't care what's happening in my personal finances, in my ministry finances. I don't care what's happening. I will tithe. I will give that 10% honor the Lord before I eat. We literally did this. When we, was, when I, when we first got into full-time ministry, we was youth pastors. I was a youth pastor. We were talking about like 18, 19 years old, just got married. Didn't we, you know, we were so poor, we couldn't pay attention. I mean, we was like, I mean, we're talking dirt poor. Well, they say that we wasn't even poor, we was poor. We couldn't even afford the other O and R, it was just poor. That's how poor he was. See, I'm learning, I'm learning American. We tithe right from the top. We, there was like $6,000 came in a whole year. We had a house to keep, a car to run, uh, an office, all that. $6,000 came in for an entire year for two of us. And we tithe right off the top and we never missed a beat. We never missed a meal. We never, in fact, we gave on top of that. I wouldn't stop tithing for anything because I know that it's powerful to honor God. It's, I'm saying, God, I'm making you the Lord of my life. Every time you tithe, every time you give the first fruit, you're saying, God, I'm putting you the Lord of my finances. I'm making you the Lord of my finances. I'm, I'm keeping you in that position. Every time you take that tithe and use it for something else or you eat the seed, then you're saying, God, I don't trust you right now. I'm going to have to do it my own way. 
I'm going to trust mammon. I'm going to trust the world's way of doing things. And listen, there's no condemnation. I've done this. This is something we have to battle, right? Because it's very easy in our minds to think, this ain't going to work in the natural. That's why it takes faith to walk in this. So if you're one of those people that says, actually, I've just got to be honest. I've been, I've been eating the seed the whole time. You know what? That's fine. You can, you can repent right now and turn, change your thinking. That's all you've got to do is change your thinking. Say, God, I've, I've been thinking wrong about this. I've been thinking like the world instead of like the word. Lord, from now on, you know, don't try and back pay. I've had some people get the calculator out. If I back pay that, you know, no, don't try and back pay, but start now. This is a beautiful thing. Just say, Lord, I know, you know what? I want to start now to make you Lord of my finances. Maybe the reason why I haven't been making ends meet financially, maybe the reason why I'm anxious all the time about finances, maybe the reason why I'm always thinking about how I'm going to pay for it, how I'm going to afford it. I have this fear and this worry about the future, like what's going to happen if I run out? Maybe because I'm thinking like that, maybe that's because I'm not actually making you Lord of my finances. Maybe that's because I haven't put Jesus as the Lord of my finances. Yeah, it might be Lord of my body, it might be Lord of my health. He's not the Lord of my finances. That's why I have to do it myself. I have to carry that burden myself. And you was not designed to carry the burden of your provision. You was not designed to carry the burden of your, your provision. God wants to be your husbandman. Like Pastor Kim said today, God wants to be your husbandman. He wants to be your provider. He wants to be your, your everything. He wants to be your Jehovah Jireh. And every time you say, no, I can't give. I'm going to hold it to myself. You're saying, I don't trust you, Lord. I don't trust the word. I just have to do it my way. And I'm just going to tell you, as personal testimony, it don't work out too well, does it? When we do it our way, it doesn't work out too well. We do it God's way. I'm telling you, there's limitless blessings. There's limitless apples. There's limitless apple trees. There's limitless seeds, church. I'm telling you, you do it God's way, he's going to keep increasing you and increasing you. The tithe, the first 10%, the first fruit, is just the bare minimum. That's just like the basic, like I said, that's just like the basic financial 101 when it comes to, to trusting God with your finances. It's tithes and offerings. It doesn't stop there. There's offerings as well. And when you get into this, man, it can become addictive, I tell you. I heard it put this way. You know, if you get addicted to giving, God will supply your habit. <laughs> Jesus put it, come on, amen. Thank you, Jesus. You get addicted to giving, God's going to supply your habit. Let me tell you, in Acts 20, verse 35, Acts 20, verse 35, Jesus said, right here they quote Jesus, they say, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Words of Jesus in red, Acts 20, verse 35. It's more blessed to give than to receive. When you understand tithing, you just bring in the tithe to the storehouse, then you have offerings. You get to give and you get to help people and you get to give benevolently. You get to give to missionaries. You get to give to ministries. You get to give. I'm telling you, remember, everything you sow is going to get increased back to you again. It's a powerful truth. Tithes and offerings. And the Bible says, you know, 2 Corinthians 9, Paul talks about you can give generously and reap generously or you can give stingily and reap stingily. You can give bountifully and reap bountifully or you can give grudgingly and reap grudgingly. It's up to you how much you give in offerings. The tithe set is easy, 10%. Anyone can do that from anywhere. Any single person. doesn't matter if they're, a, if they're a kid having a dollar allowance a week. They can tithe. doesn't matter if you're a multi-million dollar company. You can tithe. Anyone can do that. Then on top of that, you get to give offerings. And that's what your purpose in your heart. You say, Lord, I want to give. I want to honor you. I want to bless you. Where shall I give, Lord? How shall I give? And then you start to give extra. It's powerful. You give generously. It is powerful because you're going to reap generously, praise God. People say, how do I know if I've given generously? You'll know. Your flesh will tell you. You'll start panicking. Oh, Lord. <laughs> you start writing the check and shaking. That's when you know it's a generous gift. If your giving gets your attention, let me tell you, it's getting God's attention. And God set it up in a way that, you know, for one person it might be $100. For another person in this room it might be $100,000. It's all in proportion to what we have. But when it gets your attention, I guarantee you, it'll get you God's attention. I'll end with this story. 
I was a, um, at a missions banquet once as a missionary. He was a missionary in Asia and uh, Myanmar. He had a Bible school there. And I came in and he said, could you receive an offering from me? I said, I'd love to. Well, there was a banquet, and there was meant to be like 300 people there, but there was a snowstorm came through. You know about that, right? There was a snowstorm came through and shut it down. So there was me and about five people. That was it. And I prayed, and I, I did the offering. I gave him an offering, and then I walked away. And as I was walking away, I felt bad. I thought, that missionary, you know what? He's raising money, and he's got this great work out there. And as I walked away, the Holy Spirit spoke to me like that church. I mean, he spoke to me. He said, that $10,000 you got in the savings account that you've saved up for a house, that was our down payment we'd saved up. He said, go back and give that to that missionary you know what I did I'm spiritual I mean I'm I'm a man of God I went I can't hear you Lord so I was like no I was like I rebuke that devil no I'm not letting go of my money I was like no 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 and I was thinking if I do that I'll never be able to get a house in, in America what about this what about that what about this and I was thinking all these things but I knew it was the Lord deep deep down I knew it was the Lord so I phoned Carly I said Carly I said I think the Lord's telling us to give that money she said how are we going to get a house I said I don't know but the Lord's told me to give this money she said, well, if it's God, just do it. Now, I'm never 100% sure, just so you know, just transparency. I'm like, I'm like 90% sure, but it takes faith, right, to obey God. So I obeyed God. I turned around the next day. I called that missionary. He said, I want to meet with you. He said, I'm busy. I said, believe me, you want to meet with me. <laughs> so I got a cashier's check. We emptied our savings account that we'd saved up for a down payment on the house. We'd emptied that account, had a cashier's check, went to the missionary, gave it to him. He took it. He looked at the amount. He started crying. As he took the check, I started crying. <laughs> My flesh was freaking out. What are you doing? You're crazy. You're not going to be able to get a house. The devil's speaking to me. You're never going to get a house now in America. You, this, that, that. It took you years to save up $10,000. How are you going to do that? And all this talk, but I gave that money. He said that I was believing God. I need exactly $10,000 to finish building my Bible school in Myanmar. He's now built a physical Bible school and sees graduates. He's a Raymond graduate. He's graduates going through that every single day. Praise God. And then the word of God is going all over Asia. But wait. I got in my truck and started driving home. And I just started thanking God. I was like, God, thank you. I was like, thank you, God. I was magnifying the Lord. Instead of magnifying, I was magnifying the Lord. And the Lord spoke to me. The presence of God filled that truck. And it's one of the most powerful times I've ever had with the Lord. I'm telling you. I've never felt the Lord closer. I know he's with us. I know he's in this church. But you know in the tangible presence of God. The tangible presence of God was in that truck with me as I drove. And I started weeping. The Lord spoke to me. He, gave me, he spoke to me so clearly. It's one of the most clear words I've ever had from God. And you know what he said to me? He said, thank you. He said, thank you. He said to me, I've been trying to get that money to that missionary for a long time, but you was able to hear me. You, had it, you was able to hear me and obey me. He said, thank you. And I went home and I said, I don't know how we're going to get a house and how it's going to work out, but we did it. I haven't got time to go into the details. Supernaturally, it was only two years later, probably two years later, maybe three at the most, but I think it's more like two years later, we owned a beautiful house in Colorado Springs, no mortgage, no down payment, owed it outright, praise God, owed it outright. You better believe me, God's not trying to take from us, he's trying to get more to us. He's not trying to take from us, he's trying to get more to us. He's the God who gives and gives and gives, praise God. So when he's asking you to give, the tithe is the basics. We can take care of that right now. You can say, I'm going to commit to tithing right now. I'm going to make the Jesus the Lord of my finances right now. And then offerings on top of that, you can start saying, Lord, I want to give this and start dreaming about giving. Make giving your biggest goal. Start having dreams about giving. I'd love to give this amount. I'd love to give that amount. And guess what's going to happen? God's going to give seed to the sower. He's going to increase you. And I'm telling you, it's powerful. You're going to see breakthroughs, things you've been wanting. Your giving can bring you things money could never buy. Your giving to the Lord, when you honor the Lord with your money, your money, your giving can bring you things money could never buy. And God is trying to get things to you. He loves you so much. He's trying to bestow, He's trying to get you to a point where you have 
more than enough so you could be a greater blessing, praise God. You're getting this? Man, I'm excited. I'm pumped. This is something really faith. Give Jesus a hand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I want to pray for you right now. This is really important. I want to pray for you right now. I know we're using the Calvary app. If you haven't signed up, you haven't clicked up, be rich so we can pray for you. Put your names out here. Listen, let me just make this real clear right now. This is not about Calvary Church. This is not about... This is about you getting free in the area of finances. This is about you walking in the promises of God. This is about you seeing your financial breakthrough right here. This is where it's happening right here. And I'm telling you, when you commit to this, when you do this, say, God, I'm going to make you the Lord of my life in my finances. There's going to be breakthrough testimonies. We've already had a bunch of testimonies and there's just going to be a bunch more. This is, this is about you. This is about you receiving that breakthrough. Amen? Here's of you in person, those of you online, here's, here's what we're going to do. We're going to respond to the word. I want to thank you for building our faith. This series has, I mean, it's in a good way. It's wrecked me, my perspective of my father and what this is about. I want uh, you, uh, Pastor Kim and Carly, to get ready because before we leave, I just think there's some things prophetically we want to declare over you before you walk out of this place. Hosts, I want you to come forward right now. I want us to prepare our generosity. We're going to give and declare some things over you before you walk out of this place and walk in the favor of God this week. Whether you're giving digital or envelope, those of you online, the information is right there. Those of you in person, whether you're giving digital or with an envelope, let's bring our generosity. Let's trust God. Let's give first. Man, what truth on that. Uh, today. I, I've never seen that before. That was so awesome. And uh, we're going to give today and give our best. Again, whether it's text to give or you've set up your reoccurring giving, whatever it is, it's not about taking, it's about getting to us. And God is so good. What a father. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for building our faith today. I thank you for this word. We're going to walk in it. No matter what's going on in the world, we're going to walk in these truths. We're going to trust you. We're going to trust you. Can you say that today? Lord, I trust you. I trust you. And I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Here's what we're going to do, church. Watch. We're going to give right after we give and we walk out of this place. I just really sense there's something. We just need to declare over you in faith prophetically. So, Lord, thank you for this opportunity. We give now in faith. In Jesus' name, we all said together, amen. amen. Let's give to the Lord right now and declare that word increase over these people right now. Would you all come up here real quick, please? Come on, let's give to the Lord right now. Quickly. Say it, say it.
right now. Stand with me. I want to declare some things over you right now prophetically. There's some things that we want to do in this moment. Before you walk out of this place, I just want to declare some things. Lift up your hands right now and just receive. Carly, go ahead, speak over them. Thank you, Jesus. You know, just during this service, I've really felt that there's a stirring, there's an expectation of, of moving in by faith, pressing into the things that God has for us next. And I really feel that there are people here today that are ready to take that step, to say, Lord, I'm ready. Who's ready in here? Who's ready? Come on, thank you, Jesus. This is Psalm 107. The Lord says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, everything within us. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of His benefits. Jesus has a benefit package, y'all. He has a benefit package. He says, Who forgives all of our iniquities and heals all of our diseases, who redeems our life from destruction from the pit and crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercy, satisfies our mouth with good things, good things, and renews our strength like the eagles. I feel like there are people in here today that have been moved at a heart level. And what Ashley has been teaching and Pastor Ben has been explaining over the past few weeks is for us to get ready to take a step, to move towards the call of God in our life, to move in faith, to the things that He is calling us to. He's calling us higher as a church. He's calling us further as a church. He's calling us deeper, wider, broader, more far faster into the promises that He has for us. And as we open up our hearts and commit to trust God, even with, the, with, our, with our substance, I heard the Lord say, I have greater miracles for them, greater healing for them, greater prosperity for them, greater levels of favour for them. This is just the beginning, just the beginning. I feel like there are people in here today and I feel like this is a whole service, but there is an anointing for healing right now right now because our faith has been stirred because we've been moved at a level to a point where we are ready to receive how many people in here would say i need healing today put your hand up right where you are if you need healing today it's here for you i want to pray for you put your hand up so i know that you're responding listen you can't bootleg this one okay this is for you right now in this moment the lord knows exactly what the problem is exactly what the deficit is exactly what the weakness the infirmity is right now father god i say thank you thank you jesus right now we release healing into these individuals from the top of their head to the very soles of their feet we take authority over all sickness over all disease, over all infirmities, over all afflictions. And we say, go in Jesus' Name. We say these infirmities will not arise a second time. They will not arise a second time. That, that person, I see you, you're about to go for a test. You've got a lump in your breast and it's terrifying you. Right now, we just declare that gone in Jesus' Name. We command that lump to shrivel up in Jesus' Name. We command that pain in your body to leave. Say, leave, leave my flesh right now. We command healing into that neck, into those backs. We speak looseness into those joints and freedom and movement into your bodies. Move, be your strength, be renewed as like the eagles, as like the eagles. Father, right now we declare over these individuals that they will live, live, 
Live and not die and declare the goodness of God in the land of the living. Right now we speak manifestation of that healing in their flesh in this very moment in Jesus' Name. We break off of them every lie of the enemy, every, every defect, every deficit in their chromosomes, in their genetics, in their hereditary line. We break that right now and we declare health will manifest through their generations. Health to manifest in every part of their flesh. Strength in every part of their bodies. Ears to see and eyes to hear and minds to understand everything that the Lord has for us. In Jesus' Name, we believe it and we receive it. And the people said, Amen. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Jesus. While Ashley was uh, speaking today, my mind just kept going back to some 37 verses 25 through 26 and I just want to remind you today for those of you maybe that this is a scary step for you and your finances to take this one last step in this one last area um, th these verses say this I was once inexperienced but now I'm old not once have I found a lover of God forsaken by him, nor have any of their children gone hungry begging for bread. Instead, I have found the godly ones, the ones who obey him to be the generous ones who give freely to others, who lend to others. They're not the borrowers, but the lenders. Their children are blessed and become a blessing. And then it goes on further and it says, the Lord will never desert his devoted lovers. They will be kept forever in his faithful care. And I just want to remind you today, maybe you have been faithful in your giving for years and years and years, or maybe this is the one last area that is just hard for you to trust Him in. Let me just remind you, He says, for, you, for those of you that may be inexperienced in this area, or for those of you that are old hands in this area, He says, I'm faithful. I'll never leave you in this area. I'll never forsake you in this area. I won't let your children go begging for bread. They're not going to go hungry. And we're all children. We're his children or our children. He says, I'm never going to let you go hungry. I'm going to keep you. I'll hold you tight. And I've seen this in our own area. We've seen it even this week. God's good. He's faithful. He's diligent. He's a good God. He doesn't just meet us in the areas of our needs, but He smiles on us in the areas of our wants and our desires. He's just a good God who just wants to bless His kids when we're faithful and we trust Him in the area of our finances. He just wants to turn around and bless us abundantly so that we can then turn around and give out to others who see the goodness of God in our lives so that they can experience in their lives and see God in tangible ways. Just let Him show off in your lives. You'll be so glad that you did and you'll look back and go, what was I freaked out about? Like Ashley said, He gives the seed anyways. You're not out anything. Let Him provide what you need and don't hold so tight-fisted that you're scared that you're not going to be provided for. He's faithful and He's a good God. Well, say it out loud, church. Say, I believe it. I receive it. Church, may you walk in his favor and increase this week. I'll see you right back here at Calvary. Maybe the five on tonight or in a gospel circle are right back here. Have a great week, church. Love you. Walk in his favor.